Chase did a phenomenal job tonight. He controlled what he could control, took shots when he needed to take shots, and I don't think I ever saw him bad eye. There was no bad body language. There was no nothing negative, no matter what situation I saw tonight. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. start the show with the Packers tonight, but I do want to mention something right from the jump here. Great news in Packerland today. Green and gold fans rejoice. Uh, one of our own is coming home. Ha ha Clinton Dix is retiring as a Packer. Green Bay Packers announced that oh, about an hour or two ago. I'm looking at the tweet from Matt Schneidman. I don't know if the Packers have put out a statement yet. Hopefully a, a thorough, thorough article explaining all of his great accomplishments while wearing the green and gold is incoming. This is great news. And it's just another Packers player in a long lineage, a long line of Packers players to come back and retire as Packers, especially these players that all made terrible mistakes in the NFC Championship game in 2014. First, it was Morgan Burnett, who gave away 40 yards of field position for some reason and slid with five minutes left in the game. He is been welcomed back as a Packer. Come on, Morgan, retire as a Packer. Welcome home. All-time great, except for, you know, the one reason why we remember you. Uh, and now, ha-ha, Clinton Dix, who forgot how to cover on a two-point conversion, which ended up being integral to the Seattle Seahawks comeback. Nature is healing. Our great Packers legends, uh, also known as players that I probably won't remember in 20 years, other than for their gaffes in the 2014 NFC Championship game. These players are coming home. Nature is healing. Now we're just waiting on Justin Perillo and Mike Neal and maybe Brandon Bostick. Although he's probably going to write a book about his mistake in 2014. Welcome back, haha, Clinton Dix. Green Bay just hasn't been the same without you over the last couple of years. I, I can't make heads or tails of anything. So glad to have you back in the fold. This, this is so inspiring. Now the Brewers should start welcoming guys back. Who, who should the Brewers bring back? Uh, Jonathan Scope, after that incredible stretch of play in... 2018. Should we get back him? Yeah, I think we should get him back. Jonathan Scope retires. This is so dumb. Not to throw cold water on this, but sorry. Good for Haha Clinton Dix. Good for the Packers. Great news or something. This is the Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. We're going to get back into the Packers in about a half hour. I want to expand on our Matt LaFleur discussion from yesterday. I think this is a huge week for Matt LaFleur. I think this is a crossroads of the Packers season. I think this is a big crossroads for Matt LaFleur. And I'm not going to say it's the biggest week of his career. That would be it'd be a little much. He's coached big playoff games. He's coached in two NFC Championship games. But I, I think in this, his fourth season, we've really started to ask questions about whether or not he's a great coach or even a very good coach. Maybe he's just a fine coach. Maybe he's an average coach, right? We've seen a lot of things this season that would tell us maybe he's not great. Well, this week could do a lot to change our perception of Matt LaFleur in this season and really reverse our perception and rebuild our perception of Matt LaFleur to where it was before this season. Rebuild our perception of a coach who we thought, yeah, 13 and three, three straight seasons. This guy's a wizard. This guy's great. Well, we're not feeling like that right now. So I think this is a huge week for Matt LaFleur. And I want to revisit some of those talking points that we had on Matt LaFleur yesterday, because I think they're important. So we're going to do that at 4.30. At 5.30, Justin Garcia is going to be here. Bucks Radio Network, because as you heard our friend Zach Heilprin say, in that update, the Bucks have not had a great road trip. They have lost four in a row, including last night to Chicago. So I put up the, the bat signal, and Justin answered the call. I appreciate him. He's going to join us at 4.30. And 
Maybe because he's our jam band correspondent, maybe he can give us some musical recommendations on our way out the door before we turn things over. Uh, well, no, Kenny and Heilprin is on in the second half of the show, so we won't be turning things over to Kenny and Heilprin, but before this show wraps up for the day, maybe we'll get some recommendations from Justin. 608-796-2558 if you want to call or text the show. And always, I'm on Twitter, at Wisco Grant, not just from 4 to 6, but anytime you want to mess around and BS on Twitter, we can do so from, uh, or we can do so at Wisco Grant. I was really excited for tonight's NBA Lounge. It was supposed to be fun and great and wholesome and pure and celebratory. The Wisco Sports Show and the NBA Lounge this is really a celebratory thing we do every night. And the NBA Lounge is one of my favorite things we do on the show. And it's supposed to be a celebration of the sport of basketball and a league that I love and a team that I love in the Milwaukee Bucks. I mean, Luka went 60, 21, and 10 the other night. I would have loved to talk about that to start tonight's show. Killian Hayes knocked Mo Wagner out cold last night. I would have loved to talk about that. Both stories would have been great. Perfect stories, perfect fodder for the NBA Lounge. But we don't get to talk about those things tonight. Because I need to rant about last night. And I need to talk about what happened last night at the United Center. The Bulls came back to beat the Bucks, 119-113. If you didn't watch, uh, Bucks had a 15-point fourth quarter lead. And led by 11 points with less than three minutes remaining in the game. And they lost. This now makes this the worst loss of the season, I think, since the Memphis game. The game they were blown out in Memphis a couple weeks ago. Uh, which was the worst loss since the Philly game. So remember when they lost in Philly, despite Philly not having Harden or Tyrese Maxey? I don't think Tobias Harris played in that game either, but who knows who remembered? We, we forget Tobias Harris all the time, so maybe he played. I don't know. That game was terrible. And then that game was overshadowed by the Memphis game because they lost by like 60 points or whatever it was. That was going to be the worst loss of the year. And one loss has to be the worst loss of the year, but I don't want to keep one-upping one upping, one up. I, I don't. No, no, no. I, I want the worst loss of the year to stay the worst loss of the year. And now we have three candidates already, and it's not even January first. It's still 2022. I watched the Bucks give away a game last night, a game in which Giannis went for 45, 22, and seven. Well done, everyone. I hope you're happy. I hope the supporting cast is happy. I, I hope Coach Bud is happy. I hope everyone involved with the Milwaukee Bucks is thrilled about what happened last night and, and thrilled about squandering a game in which Giannis did something historical, something that's been done a small handful of times throughout the history of the league. 45-22-7. and seven. Giannis got to the rim whenever he wanted. He scored whenever he wanted. Bulls couldn't touch him. Bulls couldn't touch him. It didn't matter. Vooch isn't doing anything. Levine's terrible on defense. DeRozan's terrible on defense. Patrick Williams is okay, but he's just one man. Ayo DeSumo is nothing on defense. He's a negative. This team can't stop anyone, let alone Giannis. So he just goes for a casual 40-20-10, or close to a 40-20-10, except nobody could make threes. Let's talk about that. George Hill. Uh, George Hill, I think, is still out on the floor. I think he's still getting minutes. I, I know the Bucks left Chicago, I presume, last night, and they are now back in Milwaukee. They host the Timberwolves tomorrow. I think George Hill is still at the game because I don't think Coach Bud has checked him out of the game yet. He's still out there getting minutes. Game ended like 18, 17, 16 hours ago. Yeah, no, he's still playing. George Hill take him off the floor? God, no. <laughs> wait, 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 you want the franchise to collapse? God forbid George Hill should sit on the bench. I, I can't get George Hill out of my head. He's in my dreams when I go to sleep. 
I wake up in the middle of the night in a cold sweat. I look down at the end of my bed. He's standing there. I go down in the middle of the night to get a cold drink of water to try to clear my head. He's in my kitchen. I go into my bathroom. He's there. He's in my shower. I, I leave for work this morning. He's in the back seat of my car. He is everywhere. It's all George Hill. Everything, all at once, all of the time, and it's all George Hill. He closed the game. He played in overtime. He was out there for the most crucial and important possessions and moments of the game. And for what? To stand out there and miss three-point shots? Look suicidal? Because that's, that's, that's what I see from him. And I, I've been a George Hill defender because Bucks, Bucks fans come at this guy because most Bucks fans on Twitter are like 11 years old and they're morons. George Hill's terrible. He, he should be cut. And I say, well, no, no, no. George Hill is a depth piece. Guys, there's, there's guys on the end of the bench. But the point is the end of the bench is the end of the bench. The end of the bench stays on the end of the bench. The end of the bench doesn't play in crunch time, doesn't play in closing time, and sure as hell doesn't play in overtime after the team melted down at the end of the fourth quarter with George Hill on the floor. Grayson Allen, don't, 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 even with me, with Grayson Allen. Breaking news, actually, just broke a couple minutes ago. I don't know if you saw this on Twitter, but break, Grayson Allen just missed another three. I don't know how that's possible. The game's been over, like I said, for about 18 hours. But like I said, George Hill's still on the floor. He's still playing, getting minutes. And Grayson Allen somehow just missed another three. I don't know how. This guy's a loser. Loser. He's moping around the floor, looking like his grandma just died. He's bricking everything. I'm out. I'm out. I'm, I'm out. I'm out on Grace now. Trade him for a bag of ball. I don't care. I, I, and this is a complete heel turn from a week ago, from two weeks ago. I've been one of the final people who's actually defended Grace now. I'm done. I'm, I'm done defending him. He can't play in big moments. He shrinks. He plays like a little baby. I used to know him as the guy who played with the swagger because he would trip, he'd kick, he, you know, he'd do these little things. The NBA history, the, the annals of history, it littered with players who were just a little shade of dirty and they would use it to their advantage. It would give them an edge. I thought Grace Down was going to do that for us after doing it against us in the 2015 NFC Championship game. But no, he comes here. He starts playing Mr. Nice Guy. Hey, Grayson, play like an ass or don't play on my team at all because you suck. And just like George Hill, you're walking around out there looking like you'd rather kill yourself than play basketball or make a three. Would it be that hard to make one three-point shot, Grayson? Shot three of 14 last night from the field. Three of, what was his final total? He was three of 14 from three. That's good stuff. That's good stuff, Grayson. That's really good stuff. You trade him. I, I don't care. Trade. A, a couple weeks ago, I was like, I don't think I want to trade Grayson Allen for, for uh, Jay Car- Drake Crowder. I'd trade him for Jay Crowder's shoes. I, I'm not being hyperbolic. I'm done with him. He's off the team. The body language, the the, the overall aura, the, the vibe I get, I'm done. I'm out. He's gone. I'm out of the Grayson Allen business. I was one of the few. It's like I still owned a Blockbuster store. It's like, I don't know. People, people like renting physical movies. They want to come out and rent. No, they don't. And I'm a moron for believing that Grayson Allen could somehow play with a little bit of an edge and give this team something that they desperately need, which is a shred of three-point competence. He sucks. He's, go- he's gone. Trade him for whatever you can. I want him off the team. Pat Connaughton is not nearly as bad, but he's still on my list. I'm sick of watching him and Grayson Allen brick everything. There's just, it's all white guys running around the floor and none of them can shoot. And I know Pat Connaughton is better than this. And he's coming off of injury. And he'd actually been pretty okay up into the last couple weeks. But after last night, 
everyone's guilty. Guilty by association, guilty by just being there last night in that atrocity of a game. I work all day. I had to stay at work two and a half hours late last night because we had a little technical issue. I don't have a family. I don't have kids. I'm not going to miss a piano recital. I volunteered to stay, so I'm working on tech stuff. I missed the first half. I get home. All I wanted to do is watch a quarter and a half of Bucks basketball, watch a Bucks win, write some things down for the NBA Lounge today, come in here and have a nice segment, a nice show. But no, I had to go home and watch my favorite team piss down their leg. I'm pissed, okay? Pat is a big reason why. I know it's not his fault, but he was involved, so I'm pissed. Pat Connaughton and Grayson Allen are like the Winklevoss twins, except if the Winklevoss twins were in the NBA and missed every shot they took. I actually think the Winklevoss twins might be able to shoot better than a combined 17% from three. I don't know that not to be the case. They were Olympic rowers. They're they're tall. Why not? No one else on this team can shoot. Let's give the Winklevosses a 10-day. Give them a 20-day. Give them both. A package deal. I'll take them. And could someone, anyone, at all on this team just... Uh, hit a three, hit a three, hit a three. Everyone shoots threes now. Kids in middle school are taking 28-footers. You're telling me Pat Connors and Grayson Allen can't hit a three? Javon Carter's shooting 39% from three this year. God forbid he plays in crunch time. Grayson Allen, bricking everything. Pat Connors, bricking everything. Javon Carter, one of one from three last night, two of three from the field. You want to know how many minutes Javon Carter played in the fourth quarter? Four. Well, certainly Bud righted that wrong in overtime. Are <laughs> you new here? No, he didn't come off the bench. He didn't check in in overtime. Brooke Lopez, who is up there as one of the best three-point shooters. He was the leader in three-point percentage a couple weeks ago. Yeah, he didn't play in closing time. Barely played in, the, in, in overtime. Same with Bobby. Seven minutes in the fourth quarter for George Hill, who looked like he wanted to die for all of it. Seven minutes for Wesley Matthews. I'll take Wesley Matthews because at least he's running around and being a bastard. He's being the opposite of what Grayson Allen is doing. Wesley Matthews is is being the guy that Grayson Allen is supposed to be. (sighs) Sucks. 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 I get it. Giannis inbounds the ball correctly at the end of the game instead of throwing it away to Ayo DeSumo for a break open layup. If he just does that, none of this matters. We're not talking about minute distribution for George Hill and Grayson Allen and Pat Connaughton and the lack of minutes for other guys because the Bucks win. And by and large, coaching in the regular season is just kind of whatever. Like, I'm not going to roll butt over the coals because, well, you should have made this substitution in the third quarter against the Bulls who are terrible on a Wednesday night. No, that's not how we define coaches, right? This guy's got to execute. They're going to make plays. They're going to be better than they were down the stretch last night. But Bud could, like, maybe not actively keep his best players on the bench or some of his best players on the bench in closing time. It's like a crummy baseball manager. Coach Bud is standing on the top step watching his middle reliever give up double after double. There's a home run. There's a walk. There's a single. Go get him. He doesn't have it tonight, Skipper. Go get him. He's getting shelled. And Bud's just standing on the top step. You know, I I think, well, I can do a Bud voice. I think if uh, Grayson just keeps shooting, one of these are going to go down. I think if Brent Suter just keeps throwing 89-mile-an-hour fastballs, this will get better. No, it's not. He's getting lit up. Put anyone else out on the court, bud. You thick-headed block. I hate to start a show this way. I do. This is supposed to be a joyous segment. This isn't supposed to be angry time. This is... Four o'clock on a Thursday. This is supposed to be the NBA lounge. This is a celebration. And what am I doing? I'm yelling about how I want Grayson Allen off this team. 
I didn't want to do do a Grace and Allen proclamation this week. This wasn't on my radar until last night. I said, I'm out. I'm out. I'm out. He's, he's off the team. He can't play in big moments. He can't play in the playoffs. We know that to be true. His body language sucks. His shooting blows. Get him out. Get him out. Get him off the team. Maybe then we'll get some more Javon Carter minutes. Maybe we'll get fewer George Hill minutes. That, <laughs> that's not going to happen. That's a funny joke, though. She worked that into the opening monologue tomorrow. Maybe we'll get some Marjan Bochamp minutes. Marjan had one of the best three-point percentages on the team last night. He shot zero for zero because he barely played. He played two minutes, bud. This brings me no joy to do. I didn't want to start the show this way. 608-796-2558. We can debrief uh, and say anything that hasn't been said about the Bucks right now. Coming up next, and then we'll get into the Packers. That sounds like more fun. Wisco Sports Show, back in three minutes. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, my name is Grant Bills. Hope you're having a great day. I actually am having a pretty good day. Going to the beer house after the show. Get a pregame with some listeners. Have a good time from 6 to 7.30. You should stop by corner of 3rd and Pearl in downtown La Crosse. For the Madison crowd, stop by for Kenny and Heilprin tonight. They're hanging out in Sun Prairie at, oh, God, I'm brain farting. Monks. I knew that. And I think they're going to have Bernstein there with them tonight, too. Talking about the bowl game. That show starts in just about 40 minutes. So if you're in Madison, stop by Monks tonight. If you're in La Crosse. Stop by the Beer House. I'll be there from 6 to 7.30. Good broth specials. I love the fish fry. And, of course, beer is always good beer. Twitter, at Wisco Grant. Rory tweets in. Normally, I hate arguments like this, but Rory, I actually think you're right. He says, is it a coincidence that the year the Bucks don't have George Hill on the roster is when they win the championship? I think not. You know, George Hill is a fine basketball player. He really is. He's a point guard that, for the most part, can take care of the ball. He is supposed to be able to hit three-point shots. I've seen him do it. Of course, he can't do it when it's needed, but he, he is a competent third-string point guard, right? If you're starting Drew Holiday and you're playing Javon Carter a little bit at point and Giannis is going to run some point, like he is a very solid, veteran, experienced, weathered option to run point guard. His body language is the worst. It's just his facial expression. He looks like someone killed his dog. He looks like he'd rather go jump off the top of Fiserv than actually go get excited and make a play. And I know there's no statistical backup for saying that the Bucs are better without George Hill, but my God, Bud just runs him out there. Like Kevin O'Connell with the Vikings, to use this example, Kevin O'Connell on third and eight, I've noticed this year, just won't give Kirk checkdowns. He just won't, which I think is brilliant because Kirk will take a checkdown. If he's under pressure on third and eight, he will check it down for two yards if given the opportunity. So Kevin O'Connell's like, Kirk, I'm, I'm just not going to give you the option. Throw it past the sticks, buddy. Kirk's like, okay, I, I have no option. I have to. If George Hill is not on this team, Bud cannot play him, which means more Javon Carter, who can actually shoot the ball and defend. Needs more Marjan Bochamp, who, look, I, I want to get Brian Sampson on or Justin's going to be on in about an hour. Or, like, I want to talk with a Bucks guest who's not a fan I want to talk with a Bucks guest about Marjan Bochamp because every time I see 
experts chiming in on Marjan. It's like he's young. He's got a long way to go. But you know what? He's got moxie. He's got spunk. And I see him knock down some threes. And that's more than I could say for George Hill. It's more than I could say for Grayson Allen. Grayson Allen looks like he'd rather be doing anything than playing basketball. It looks like he'd rather be at his in-laws for Christmas. He'd rather go get a colonoscopy than be out there playing basketball. He looks miserable. I hate watching him play. And yes, this is all stemming from last night, but now I have gone through the door and I'm not going back. I have crossed the threshold of Grayson Allen sucks and I don't want him on this team. And I don't care what he does tonight or tomorrow or the next night or against whatever team. I don't care. I'm not going back. I'm out. I'm like one of the sharks. For that reason, I am out. For last night's game, I am out. I'm not saying that the reason they won the title is because George Hill wasn't here, but his body language sucks. And I felt it in the bubble. I felt it last night. I felt it in these seasons where the Bucks have been competing, but come up short and George Hill's on the roster. So Rory, I see your tweet and I don't think it's completely insane. Cody says, this is the best radio I've ever heard. Well, I'm glad this is great radio, but it comes at a cost because I think I'm going to pop a gasket. Mike from Chippewa Falls says, you were a nice young Catholic boy. A fish fry and a beer sounds like everyone in my wife's family. <laughs> is fi- fish fry isn't just a Catholic thing. It's a Wisconsin thing. Who doesn't love a good fish fry, Mike? You're from Chippewa Falls. You live near Lake Wasoda. Stop by Connell's. Get a, you know, stop by. Get yourself a good old supper club fish fry, Mike. Go, go ice fish on Lake Wasoda. Pull a walleye out of there. Fillet it up. Mmm. Maybe a little breading. Maybe not. Just saute it in a pan. You don't need to cover it with grease and beer. No, no, no. It's delicious just as it is. Mike, everyone should love fish. Now, Catholics, maybe a little bit more. But the Catholic the Catholic fish fry that I grew up with had the onions, had the red potatoes, you know, maybe a little broccoli, maybe, maybe a little mashed potatoes. I think the, the, the Catholic fish fry that I grew up having in the church basement, it's not just about the fish. It was the potatoes and the onions and everything that goes with it. Derek says George Hill does have to go. Let's finally admit Middleton is old and slow. Middleton's not playing. He's not out there. This has nothing to do with Middleton. If anything, last night is a great example on why they need Middleton. Because when crunch time came and Giannis was tired because he scored 45, they didn't really have another option to go to. That's what Middleton is for. That's what Drew Holiday is for, who didn't play. Middleton is not old and slow. Middleton's not playing. And Middleton's always been slow. That's always been the type of player that he is. Stop stop rewriting the last eight or nine years of Bucks history and say Middleton's got slow. He's always been a slow player, which we love about certain players. What do people say when they watch Luka? Well, Luka plays at his own pace. It's like he really slows the game down. Chris Middleton does the same thing. Middleton did not play last night. This has nothing to do with Middleton. Oh, we got to trade Middleton. Yeah, good good luck. I'm not even entertaining that with a segment or a conversation. We should trade Middleton for who? For for who? For who? No, no, go ahead. I'm li- I'm listening. I'm gonna take. I'm taking the left side of my my headphones off my head. I got my my ear out in open space. Does anyone have an idea? Hello. We should trade Middleton for who? The pe- the people who and I'm not beating up on you, Derek. This is just a a broad strokes frustration I have. People who say they should trade Chris Middleton while they can. You know, I remember people saying very similar things about Josh Hader a couple of months ago. And when those people said those specific uh, similar things, I remember saying, you're not going to get what you want for him. It's not going to go well. It's going to fracture the team. And all that happened. And now we're, we're doing it again. 
But we've always wanted this from Chris Middleton. We've always hated him. He's like the Tyrion Lannister of the, the Bucks Game of Thrones world. You know, you, some of you pretend to like him when it suits you. And when he's the hand of the king and he, he launches the, the, the arrow into the Blackwater Bay and blows up the wild. Oh, Tyrion. But as soon as they had a chance to kill him off, they tried. This fan base is a bunch of Lannisters. And Chris Middleton is Tyrion. You guys don't appreciate him. Old and slow. Yeah, he's a midget. So what? He's smarter than everyone else. This is just disappointing. Derek, you're better than that. Don't be an anti-Middleton guy, at least not today. Drew says on Twitter, Buddy Heald and Miles Turner, make it work. Who? We have Brooke Lopez. I would take Buddy Heald, but I. how, how are we getting him? We got no picks. We, we got nothing to trade. None of this is going to happen. For everyone, I see all these tweets. We need a wing that can defend, and we need a, we need a three-point shooter. Okay. So Marjan Bochamp's never going to play. Javon Carter's never going to play. So when XYZ player and ABC player are acquired, well, we're still going to have the same complaints about Bud. George Hill's still going to play. You get that through your thick skull right now. Prime Kawhi Leonard could join this team, and Anthony Davis could join this team, and, and, and we could get, like, who's the best role player ever? Like, Shane Battier could be on this team. I just love Shane Battier, so I'm going to bring him up. All those guys could be on this team. Coach Bud is still going to run George Hill out there. George Hill will still play. He's still playing right now. I think he's still on the floor at the United Center. The team left, and Bud's like, no, 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 I can't check you out, buddy. You stay out there. Get some get some more minutes. Adam tweets in. This is the part of the show where I'm just reading texts and tweets. Adam tweets in and says, LOL, college basketball greater than the NBA. I need a Badgers basketball game. I'm going through withdrawals. I, I'm, I'm not agreeing with you, Adam, but I'm not going to disagree vehemently like maybe I would have last year or the year before. I've come around to college basketball a little bit this year. It's got to be my basketball team. I'm not watching DePaul Holy Cross on FS1 on a Tuesday night. Those fan bases should. Live it up. Yuck it up. Absolutely. I've really been enjoying Wisconsin Badgers basketball, and I like the Big Ten here and there. But I will watch other NBA games. I will not watch, for the most part, other college basketball games. couple more tweets. Pat said, uh, great take on Allen and Hill. Should the Bucks deal Allen, Hill, Connaughton, Ingles, and Bochamp for LeBron? Uh, they cannot do that uh, because, because that haul would not work and he's not available until after the season. Hector not Alaska says, Kate Middleton does suck. Did I say Kate Middleton? <laughs> Every time I see Middleton is trending on Twitter, it's, it's two groups of people. It's people tweeting about the Royal family and Bucks fans trying to somehow slander Chris Middleton and get him off this team for some reason. Every time I see Middleton trending on Twitter, I said, okay, it's going to be pictures of English royalty and 11-year-olds that don't understand basketball getting mad about Chris Middleton for some reason. I need to take a break. We should switch to the Packers. 608-796-2558. I want to talk about Matt LaFleur coming up next and why this is a huge week for him. We're going to build off of some things that we talked about yesterday. And I would love to get a hold of the Vikings fraud narrative because it's fun making fun of the Vikings, but some folks are going a little nuts. So let's reel that back in. We'll get into the Packers coming up next on the Wisco Sports Show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Justin Garcia in one hour. Bucks Radio Network. He's been doing color commentary this year on the Bucks in-game broadcast. So he always does the studio, the pre and the post. He hosts Buck Shots, which is a really good post-game show, which is after the post-game show of the actual broadcast. You know how, like, 
Packers Radio Network has uh, they got Packers playback and a little post game, and then they have Packers OT after that. So like the po- the actual post game after the mini post game to the real game. Justin's really good. I normally stream it on the flagship because they don't carry it on the individual stations. Like I'll listen to the Bucks on WKTY and Lacrosse, and I know you can now listen to the Bucks on 105.1 in Eau Claire as well. The Zone does not have the Bucks. Just home of the Brewers. Maybe one day we'll get Justin on the Zone in Madison. 608-796-2558 is the number to text and call. My name is Grant Bilson. You can find me on Twitter at Wisco Grant. I want to recap something we talked about yesterday. Because I think it's important. And I want to hammer it home. And I want us all to be on the same page. And if there's someone out there who does not agree with me or does not agree with what I'm saying... I want them to call or text so we can hash it out. I want us all to be on the same page so we can react and respond to this Vikings game accordingly next week. Because if we all go into this game with our thoughts organized on what we should expect or what to look for, then it's easier on Monday when we react to a Packers win or a Packers loss or whatever happens. At least we'll know what to do on Monday when we get in, right? It's like, you know, Thursday, Friday, you're wrapping up your work week. You know, you kind of organize some things. So when you come in on Monday, you're not totally, you know, work ahead a little bit, line up some things, get organized so you're better prepared to come and start the work week on Monday. Same concept, same thing. I I just want us to all be clear on the stakes of this game. And I think the stakes of this game are are Matt LaFleur's stakes. I think this is a huge week for Matt LaFleur. This is a turning point in the season, obviously, because it's a chance to beat a divisional rival and really, really open the door to the playoffs farther. I know they'll have to win again, and they need some things to happen. I'm not going to go through the, the commanders need to lose two of three, and the Giants need to, that sounds like a lot of work. I don't want to do that. I want to focus on the Packers winning, and then next week, going into the final week of the season, when everything is much more clear, then we can talk about playoff scenarios. We can cross that bridge when we come to it. I think this is a huge week for Matt LaFleur. It's a turning point in his season, as I just said, and in his career. Because think of what this season has meant for Matt LaFleur. The last three years, 13-3, and 13-3, and 13-4, and whatever it was. Great coach. Offensive mastermind, right? Re-engaged Aaron Rodgers. Re-interested Aaron Rodgers. Aaron Rodgers had seemingly become kind of bored under McCarthy. It had become stale. He came in and he shook things up, right? And he made some mistakes here and there and some bad decisions, but... Big picture, loved Matt LaFleur as an offensive mind, loved him as a head coach. This season, we're getting people asking, like, do we think he's a good coach at all? Are the Packers well-coached? Forget elite coach. Forget one of the best coaches in football. Forget a great coach. Is he a good coach, right? Is he he a plus? Is he above average, right? Because look at all the things that have happened this year. They kept an all-pro kick returner on the bench. They were running Amari Rodgers out there. They were doing this, that, and the other thing, right? We've started to question whether or not Matt LaFleur is a good coach at all. This week is his week because I want to see how Matt LaFleur will respond to a three-game winning streak and respond to the NFC playing out exactly like the Packers need it to play out. For weeks, the Packers have been saying, if we could just get one, if we could just get a couple wins stringing together, well, they got it. If we just get some things to fall our way, got it. Everything that you've needed to happen has happened. What do you do with it? Right? What do you do with it? What does Matt LaFleur do with this? How does he get his team prepared for this game? Because a good coach would use these circumstances to sharpen his team, to bring everyone together. Everyone becomes more focused, more intense, more dialed in. 
an immature coach, a poor coach, a loose coach would get stars in their eyes. Oh, oh boy, it's working out. And the team would start to feel themselves and start looking at the standings, looking ahead and, and lose sight of the task at hand. I want to see how Matt LaFleur and his team responds to an opportunity that they've been asking for for weeks. And now they got it. This is what you wanted. Two games to go. And if you win both, you're probably and everything is broke your way. How do you deal with it? I'm really interested to see how Matt LaFleur and his team prepare throughout this week and how it shows up on Sunday. 608-796-2558. Hector is on Alaska. What's up, Hector? I would much rather have a terrible season from beginning to end than to fight my way back into it the way Green Bay has and then fall short because you just got your head too inflated. Well, especially and the Vikings. That, that, that would be the worst part. Is especially it's a divisional rival, too. Yeah. Right. And and let, here is the here's the this I, I apologize if it takes a while but this is the list of good teams that Minnesota has beat this year. Okay, Miami, mm-hmm. Buffalo. Yeah, that's the end of the list. Well, in Miami, that's the end of the Miami, list. Miami didn't have Tua, so you got to factor that in too, right. right? Yeah, and so but so that's got an asterisk on it. The next tier of games that I'm like okay you beat a pretty decent team, is the New York teams, the Jets and the Giants. Yeah. And those weren't even good wins. You barely even scraped by. Oh, my goodness. We came back from 33 points down. How did Indianapolis score 33 points on you in the first place? The fact that you split up 36 points, it should have been 36-0 to zero the whole game. So that's nothing to hang your hat on other than the fact, you know, like everyone's like, greatest comeback in NFL. His, well, how were you even down that bad to the Colts, who were running with Matt Ryan, who's got one foot in the grave already, and Jeff Saturday, who's never coached a winning football team in, on any level. So there's nothing. I've been beating the fraudulent drum for a while now. Okay. And I will beat it as hard as I need to because they are not a good team. They get down, like, they have very good playmakers. Don't they have one top five running back. They have the number one receiver. They have a top three tight end. But then you have Kirk Cousins. And Kirk Cousins is so, like, hot and cold. It is ridiculous. One And good for him for being able to make adjustments. Good for him for not letting a, you know, terrible deficit get in his head and all that stuff. But, like, when you get to the playoffs – or to the end of the season where you're playing those meaningful games, that crap doesn't matter to anybody. The Packers don't care that you came back from 33 points down. Because if you honestly think about it, Grant, if the Packers put 33 points on the Vikings in the first half, are the Vikings coming back against the Packers? Absolutely not. There's you don't, not a, you don't other think than so? the Colts and maybe, but, but no. Hector, actually, Hector, here's the thing. The, the, the Commanders and the Giants both came back on the Packers. You know, I don't think those teams are as good as the Vikings are. I don't look, I don't think the Vikings are great, but right. I, I don't know. I'm not looking to slander them as, as much as some are. Right. Yeah. I like, I saw Pipakowski went on this a, long rant on Twitter today. A, and he's like, they're frauds. They stink. Well, yeah, but they're winning games. And that's more than the Packers right. are doing, right? The Packers have had many Perfect. games in hand that they let get away. The Vikings have grabbed a lot of games that maybe they shouldn't have won. I'm not going to fault them for that, though. Right. And uh, and those two games that used the Giants and the Commanders, yeah, they came back. But 
I'm not even – I'm Perfect. blaming the defensive scheme on that because if you look Perfect. at – the difference between when the Packers were defense was doing well and when they started giving up the they were playing different. There it was like a different game. They you, they get a lead and Joe Barry's like, well, let me just call plays out of my the other end, and you know let's try some stuff here and there because we got a lead and then that screws everything up. I think Joe Barry's horrible. He needs to get out. I know we've been beating that drum as well, but more than that drum, I am beating the fraudulent drum of the Vikings and um. Uh, what's his name? The big Viking fan that always calls in. Oh, Eric on um, ninety. Eric on i ninety. Yeah. I love you, dude. I'm not. I, I'm just. I'm. I don't. I. If the Vi- the Vikings will do pretty well in the playoffs, I think. However, comma, they are not as good as their record states. And I think this week is going to be a dog fight. And if the Packers end up beating the Vikings, I think the Vikings will get bounced in the first round. Yeah, I mean. Because hmm. I think that's yeah. how do you drag yourself into the how do you limp your way into the playoffs when you've been quote unquote you're the team this is it and then your biggest rival takes you down on the next week they're not going to play any of their good players so now your starters are going into the playoffs they don't have the number one seed and they're probably going to be facing a pretty good team because right now their best option is to play the Packers, but if they lose and they're in, they're playing the, the Cowboys, it's over. Okay, it's okay. Over. I'll play this game with you. I, 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 I know how I want to respond to this. So you said if they lose to the Packers, then they're going to lose in the playoffs. Now, we don't know that because once they're into the playoffs, brand new ball game, you're going 1-0 every week or you're going home, anything can happen. But I, what I will say, Hector, is think of that Cowboys game a couple weeks ago, right, when the Vikings got absolutely lit up and they lost like one of my favorite games of the year they lost like what 40 to 3 or something right so that reminds me a lot of 2019 when the Packers had a chance to play the Niners early on and they got waxed and you're like oh boy I will say this Hector Mm -hmm. I I, I don't know about predicting results in the playoffs but if I was a Vikings fan and right now the team's riding high they're 12 and 3 if the Vikings go into Lambeau this week and get crushed let's say like 37 to 10 if I was a Vikings fan, that would let so much air out of the balloon. I'd be like, Ugh. right? Because in 2019, exactly. I kept saying, I was like, look, this reminds me of 2015 when the Packers would win some games, but anytime they'd go against a great team, they got their doors blown off. And then when they played those teams again in the playoffs, they lost. So I, look, I don't think it has any correlation to results and wins and losses in the playoffs. But if the Packers were to blow the doors off the Vikings this weekend, man, the vibe would be interesting to say the very least. I'll go there. It would be. You. It yeah. definitely would be. The recipe for success for the Vikings should be pretty easy. Run the piss out of the ball because the Packers, I don't know what the what the, the Dolphins were doing last week when they stopped running the ball, but if the Vikings pound the ball and use, use uh, Justin Jefferson on, like, the end rounds and stuff, Joe Barry doesn't know what to do. He's got his head... Or his finger, whichever one he prefers, so far up his rear end. I don't know <laughs> Probably both. how he even got a position inside yeah. of an NFL no, locker room. I'm, so. worried about, I'm worried about Joe Barry. We can talk about some of the reasons why, but Hector, i got to let you go because yeah. i got to take a break. Yeah, you have a good one, Grant. I'm off tomorrow, but I'll talk to you next year. Oh, I can't talk to you next year. Thanks, Hector. That's Hector, not Alaska. 608-796-2558. Let's take a break. Let's talk about Joe Barry. Let's debrief. Hector just gave us a lot of meat. There's a lot of meat on that bone. Uh, let's chew up some of that meat and talk about some of the things that Hector mentioned and, and go deeper into a couple of those things. Wisco Sports Show, back in three minutes. 
This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. In Madison on WOZN, Kenny and Halpern going to kick us off. They are at Monks. So if you're out and about in Madison and you want to go say hi to Zach and Ben, and I think Bernstein's with them tonight too. They're going to be talking about a bowl win and what comes next for the Badgers. Hell, they might do a whole show on Chase Wolf. Why not? Stop by Monks and Sun Prairie tonight. They got food and drink specials. And if you're listening on WKTY and Lacrosse, stop by the beer house tonight. Why don't you? Why don't that sounded like the most Wisconsin thing I've ever? I never say that. I don't know why that came out of my mouth. Stop by the beer house tonight, corner of Third and Pearl in downtown Lacrosse. I always get some fish. It's very good. We got brat specials, beer specials, and we'll just BS. We'll talk about the Packers, and if you want to talk about Chase Wolf, I I could do Chase Wolf too. We just talked to Hector in Alaska for a couple of minutes, and I, I think there's some angst towards the Vikings just in general, especially from Packers fans, which Hector is mostly a Ravens fan. So I just, he just hates teams that are fraudulent. He's just a passionate, accurate football fan. He said, if the, if the Vikings lose this weekend, they're definitely going to lose in the playoffs. And I, I just, I I don't agree with that Hector. Not that I, I don't agree or disagree. That's just, that's just false. We can't know that, right? We can't predict anything. The Vikings are 12 and three and they have bought themselves a ticket to the dance. The, for example, Giants in 2011 and 2010, the underlying numbers, the DVOA, the EPA, the point differential stunk for those teams. Worse than it stinks for the Vikings. And yet they got in and they got a lucky draw and they won some tough games and all of a sudden they're in the Super Bowl. So I I don't want to do the if then uh, with wins and losses in the playoffs. What I will say is if I was a Vikings fan, I would feel really bummed next week if the Vikings go into Lambeau and get beaten soundly. You know, if the Packers win by a field goal, you know, win by four points, and it's a close game, back-and-forth game, Rodgers plays really well and the Packers win, whatever. But if the Packers were to do to the Vikings what the Cowboys did to the Vikings, well, then it's like, oh, God. So so that's that's how it's going to go. Because that's what we did in, in 2019, remember? I went back and I, I pointed out games in 2015 when the Packers got smoked by the Broncos. Remember that that year? And they got smoked by the Cardinals later in the year. And, and we went into the playoffs thinking, okay, we'll do better the second time around. That's not normally how it goes. It's not normally how it works. And in 2019, Packers won a lot of games. A lot of them were close games. And then they get into the playoffs and they got smoked by the Niners. Who could have seen that coming? Oh, everyone, because they got smoked by the Niners in the regular season. Right? So I, I agree with Hector in a way where the Vikings fans would certainly be bummed. I'd be bummed if I was a Vikings fan and I'd certainly feel a lot less of my team next week if the Packers were to beat them soundly. Look, everyone's just dancing on the Vikings and calling them frauds. And there are a lot of numbers that would indicate the Vikings aren't nearly as good as their record. Paul Noonan wrote a really good piece, Badger Noonan on Twitter uh, at Acme Packing Company today, and he touched all sorts of different angles. He talked about point differential and, and turnovers and penalties and all these things. And there's certainly lots of evidence that the Vikings aren't as good as their record, but guess what? They're winning games. Right? They're winning games. If you want to call them frauds, sure, but they're winning games. Too busy winning. Right? The Vikings have won a few games. They came very close to losing, and that's okay. It's not a crime. The Packers have lost a few games. They came very close to winning, like the Commanders and the Giants and the Lions. I would rather be the Vikings. 
That's for sure. It's not like the Packers' underlying numbers are great either, guys. It's not like the Packers are lighting the world on fire and losing, regard, you know, and losing anyways. That's not what's happening. The Packers aren't any good either. It's not like the Packers are getting jobbed out of a playoff spot that has been stolen by the fraudulent Vikings. That's not what's happening here. That's not what's happening here, right? So I think that's important to remember. We, we act like the Packers are the sneaky good team that's just got the short end of the stick. Uh, no, they scored nine points against the Lions, who are historically bad defense. Right? The, the Packers have earned their record, and the Vikings have earned theirs. Now, that can sometimes lead to some lopsided results, and it can lead to a 12-3 and team like the Vikings being road underdogs to a team like the Packers, who are 7-8. and eight. You know what I mean? I just got a tweet here from Nick. It says, Vikings fans have their wives back up the truck at the boat landing. <laughs> what? Are you saying, you, you saying your wife can't back a boat? What's wrong with your wife backing a boat? If my wife could back a boat, I'd let her do it because I hate backing trailers. Uh, look, I have no problem making fun of the Vikings, but like Pete Bukowski's on this war path right now. How the Vikings are frauds and this and that. Of course they are, Pete. We've been watching them all year. You didn't stumble onto some newfound discovery here. But guess what? The Vikings are winning games. The Packers aren't. I'd rather be the team that wins, even if it's not pretty. It's just, it's just so petty. I'm trying to extend a little olive branch to Vikings fans here. I'm, I'm doing my darndest, aren't I? Vikings fans, you hearing this? Giving your team credit. It's not going to happen again, so. <laughs> uh, Colin Coward's making fun of Oklahoma and their bowl game on Twitter. That makes me laugh. Kenny and Heilprin coming up on WOZN here in just a couple of minutes. They are at Monks again tonight, so you should stop by and see them. And Bernstein's going to be with him. You can see Zach, who is back from Phoenix, Ben, who is there. And they're going to be talking about Chase Wolf and the bowl game and all of these fun things that we've been talking about earlier in the week as well. So Kenny and Halpern coming up. If you want to keep listening to this show, you can do it. I will tweet out a link. Uh, and if you want to listen to Kenny and Halpern, I always post the podcast so you can catch up on this show as well. I want to talk more about the Packers in just a few minutes. And around 530, we're going to get back into the Bucks because Justin Garcia is going to be here. That'll be fun. Back in two minutes. shots when he needed to take shots, and I don't think I ever saw him bad enough. There was no bad body language. There was no nothing negative, no matter what situation I saw tonight. This is where Wisconsin gathers to talk sports. Packers, Brewers, Badgers, Bucks. The Wisco Sports Show is on the air. Now, here's your host, Grant Bills. clown on the Vikings today. It's it's very petty. It's not a great look. I saw Pete Bukowski arguing back and forth with the guys from Score North. Our guys, Phil Mackey and Judd Zolgad. I love their Vikings takes. They have great Vikings takes. Their Timberwolves takes stink. But that's not why we've had Mackey on. So I'll I'll, I'll rest. Uh, the defense will rest on that or the prosecution will rest. Whatever the expression is. <laughs> want to get after Vikings fans and the Vikings needlessly today. They're frauds. Oh, yeah. Did you do 500 pages of research to figure that out? Watch the games. Of course. They've gotten lucky a couple of times. 100%. Sue them. Right? I'd rather the Packers be the lucky team. Would you be complaining if this were the Packers? No. You'd be saying, just win, baby. It's all that matters. You're only as good as your record says you are. You'd be all of a sudden quoting Bill Parcells over and over. 
is how fandom is. And I get it's hard to be a fan. I, I suffer from being a fan lots, but I'm also an owner, so I can rise above a lot of these things. So that's what I try to do from four to six every night. I, I try to bring the owner perspective and not just the fan perspective. See? 608-796-2558. If you want to join the show, call me, text me. You can tweet me as well, at Wisco Grant. Let's talk Packers for about a half hour before we get back to the Bucks. Justin Garcia will be here at 530. Dave from Eau Claire says, why is it just the Packers lost a few games they could have won, but the Vikings won some they could have lost? The Packers also won some games they could have easily lost. This is true. I.e. the third string quarterback in the Patriots game. Packers have gotten super lucky to even win half the games they did. Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't know, I don't know about that. I mean, the Patriots, look, the, the Patriots game was close because of the Packers, not because, well, see, and, and here we're getting into close game. Well, let me pull up the Packers schedule really quick, Dave, and let's break down. You say the Packers have gotten lucky to win some of the games that they've won. Maybe I'm wrong. Let's look at the schedule. I need to get it in front of me, uh, and we can pick through here. So, week two against the Bears, they beat them by 17. Tampa, they won by two. I don't know what you want to do with that game. I mean, the Packers were two inches away from Aaron Jones just scoring and going up, what, 21 to nothing? Let's see. New England, they won in overtime. They should have beat the Giants. They gave up a late lead. Uh, they shouldn't have beat the Jets. That They got smoked in that game. They should have beat the Commanders. Buffalo, they got beat pretty soundly. Should have absolutely beat Detroit. They turned the ball over on the goal line like three different times. Uh, are you saying they luck? They got lucky to beat Dallas? I, mean, I don't know. Dallas is a pretty good team. Tennessee, they got smoked. Philly, they got smoked. The Bears, they made some plays. They won that game by nine. Eight, I suppose. They won by eight. The Rams, they beat by 12. And the Dolphins, I guess, was a one-score game. I, I, I don't know. I don't look at a bunch of the Packers' wins and think they're lucky wins. I think the losses, I'm not saying it's luck. I'm not saying the Packers were unlucky against New York or against Washington. I'm saying they played like dump and lost a game they really shouldn't have lost, right? And those were close games. New York was a five-point game. Washington was a two-point game, right? So I I don't want you to misconstrue what I'm saying, Dave. Uh, The Packers came up short on some games that they could have won, and the Vikings have come up big on a lot of games they could have lost. This is, I'm not trying to be argumentative here. I'm trying to branch the, the gap here between Packers fans and Vikings fans. Eric is on I-90, 608-796-2558. What's up, Eric? Just uh, cruising on the super slab here. I'm in the groove. Five by five in the groove. How is it? It's a pretty nice night. It's nice. Yeah, I'm glad it's to hear nice that. nice out here tonight. Yeah, well, it's, it was foggy, so warm. It was so warm bad. today. You could roll the window down it. Not now, because I won't be able to hear you, but... Right, right. I can give you a rumble strip if you want. No, that's okay. That's okay. That's okay. That's, that's okay. That's you don't want me to beer off. So what do you think about all this fraudulent business? This is your team we're talking about. Do you think these are fighting oh, words? Does this bother boy. you? You know, there's so much, there's so many things that have been said this week. I think I want to start out with, I want to start out with Kirk Cousins. Okay. Right? He kind of, Give you my thoughts on Kirk Cousins. Okay. Story goes Kirk Cousins chokes in big games. I don't think Kirk Cousins has played a big game for Minnesota yet. Tell me the big game that he choked in for Minnesota. Well, do we only define big games as playoff games? Yeah, let's 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 define it as playoff games. Well, this year none. He made a pretty big throw against uh 
against the Saints two years ago in the playoffs. That was a pretty big moment, I'd say. Did he? Are you sure that wasn't? I was like, our good friend Casey Kasem. No, 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 Casey Kasem. That was twenty twenty against the Saints. He right. dropped that ball over the middle in the Superdome. That was a big game. That was a while ago, though. But did, he, did, he, did we win that? I can't even remember. Yes, and then you love. You're asking about your team. You need to know these things. Recently, no, because they weren't in the playoffs last year, and the playoffs haven't started yet this year. What I'm trying to say is, is that Kirk Cousins really hasn't choked for the Vikings just yet. Okay. Right? He hasn't. I, I don't know where that comes from. No. No, he, there's not been a game this year. I, okay, now I, I kind of get what you're seeing. There's not been a game this year where I've gone, oh, Kirk really, he screwed the pooch today in a big moment. No. Right. I'm going to say that Kirk Cousins has played, you know, he's, he's not Patrick Mahomes. He's not Aaron Rodgers. He's, he, he's not, you know, these top five quarterbacks. But I'm going to say that he has played this season as good or better than any of them, given the fact that the duress that he's under, he's under more duress than any other quarterback in the league. It's like a record. Who, according to it's who? Like a record according to who duress. now? According Pulling to who? Wow. According to who? What stat? According is... to statistics. Okay. I think he's pressured more than yeah. any other quarterback. According to statistics. Got it. Yep. All right. That tracks. Yep. I just say it. The guy has been beat up, and he comes back every week. I'll just say this. I don't really – if the Vikings lose all the rest of their games and get knocked out of the playoffs, I'm still going to be real happy with this season. I really am. They've given us two of the most entertaining games of the season, of of my lifetime, really. Right? Yeah. So to get the biggest comeback and to get the biggest comeback – in NFL history, yeah, yeah you got to be down some points, right? I mean, it's, you just don't get that without being down that many points. Sure, if it would have been Buffalo, it would have been 60 to nothing, and it wouldn't have happened. Yeah. But, I mean, Matt Ryan, you know, Matt Ryan sucks. He always has. Yeah, thank you. Right? I'm glad we agree on a great many things. That's maybe one of my favorite uh, pieces of common ground we have. Matt Ryan's the worst. Matt Ryan is the George yeah. Hill of the NFL. He He looks sad. He just, I don't like looking at him. Right. It just doesn't pass the eye test. The vibes right. stink. He should go with iced tea and drink some detergent. Just okay. get it over with. Okay. Be done with it. I mean, that's that's a little strong. And then, well, all right. So, I'm going to call the game this week. I'm going to pour water on all the Green Bay Packer fans. Okay. Cold water. Vikings, 35, Vikings 35, Green Bay 20. I think the Vikings just got too many horses. They do. Too many horses. You want to, hey, Eric, you mentioned statistics earlier. I have a statistic for you. Yes. Uh, so yes. there's a stat in the NFL that is first down conversions on third and fourth down of five or longer. So kind of it's third or fourth yes. down, got to have it. We throw it up to a guy and he goes and gets it, right? Justin Jefferson right. has right. 17 of those completions. That's best in the NFL. That that really makes sense. That matches what I watch because all the time the Vikings are in a tough spot. They let Justin Jefferson go get a play and he makes the play, and that is not boding well for the Packers defense because they love getting in third and long and then giving it up. And Justin Jefferson is the exact type of player who would make that play against this Packers defense. You know, there's only one reason I think 
that green that Minnesota's got too many horses for Green Bay, and it's it's sad in a way because I love watching great quarterback play, but Aaron Rodgers is still not taking. If he would, if he comes in there in that game and he takes what Minnesota gives him, yeah, it's going to be a close game. But he is still running around back there, holding on to that ball, looking for the perfect play, and I. I think that's going to bite him. I just, I just do. I just do. I just think that he, if he goes out there and he does what every other team has done to Minnesota, which is take the 10-yard pass in the middle of the field that's open, yeah, Minnesota's got a problem. But I just he just never does that, does he, Grant? He no, never does he likes the perfect play. He doesn't always take the easiest play or the simplest play, but I think against this Minnesota defense, that's what you got to do because Minnesota's defense will give up yards. They'll give up – like, you just got to keep the ball rolling against them, right? Keep throwing little completions, right. paper cup, paper cup, right. paper, and the big plays will come, but Minnesota's defense is not great. You can march them up and down the field, and I think Rodgers is going to have to do a little bit of that. He's going to have to, but he, I just – you just never see him – and I know this, that you know this, Grant, because you've been complaining about it for, I don't know, it feels like ever since I heard, started listening to you, oh. that this guy just can't do it. I don't know what it is, but he just can't do it. But we'll see. And I don't, you know, I really want him to win. I really want the Vikings to win this one, like every week. But, yeah. Uh, hey, it's a fun, this is, what we, this is what we live for, right? Yeah, these are the this, salad this days. These are the good old days. Yeah. Right, these games matter. Uh, yeah, I'm looking forward to the game. I think it'll be a good game. But I think the Vikings are going to win. I just think they got too many horses for Green Bay to stop. I think that's a very fair take. Eric, before I let you go, what was the best Christmas present you got? I'm curious. The best Christmas present I got... Oh, so, I don't, so many, I'm sure. I don't ask... I don't ask for a lot of items for Christmas. That's fair. Um, I would say that my son actually is quite creative uh, with computer art. Yeah. And he drew me a montage of Pink Floyd album covers using the Animals cover as kind of the main frame of it. But he included, you know... Uh, wish you were here, and he included the wall, and he kind of, he kind of blended it all in. That that was my favorite present. Are you? First of all, that's really cool. Are you a Pink Floyd fan? I wouldn't have guessed. Oh, yes, huge Pink Floyd fan. My favorite band by far. You should bump me out with some Pink Floyd music. I wish I had some. I, so this is why I ask, because now I know something about you. Another piece has fallen into the puzzle. Do you have a favorite song? Uh, have a cigar. Oh. I think I just might have a cigar. I seen Pink Floyd in Madison in the '90s, the pouring rain. What venue? Uh, Division Bell Shores, Madison. Um, the Camp Randall. Oh, you saw man, interesting. Camp Randall in the pouring rain. In the pouring rain, Grant. Did that enhance the experience? Well, we're t- we're here talking about it all these years later. It must have. It did. It did enhance the experience. It was, it was super cool. I can't think of anything. I, there's no. I don't even really want to go see anybody else. I'd go see the Peppers. Okay. I'd go see the Red Hot Chili Peppers, but 
Um, what's you know, your, after that, what's, what's uh, your favorite Pepper song? I was listening to them this morning. I want to see what you say. Uh, I really like Snow. Uh, Snow is one call. of my favorites. Good call. Yep. And, uh, yeah, they got a lot of good ones, but, you know, if you listen to their lyrics, they're just really saying a bunch of gibberish. Oh, yeah. But they really put, <laughs> right, but they really put, uh, their instrumentals are, I would say, and so is Pink Floyd. I mean, Pink Floyd is really driven by David Gilmore in my eyes. You know, um, that guitar soul, he can really make it sing. He really can, Eric. Um, yeah. Well, hell yeah. yeah I, I appreciate you sharing I, that. That I sounds like a great back. gift. Send me send me a picture. Text me a picture when you get home. I'll text you a picture. I sure will. All and right. uh, you have a happy new year. Yeah, you as well. And uh, what was your best Christmas present? Oh, the I got... Packers beat the Dolphins? Yeah. Please, God, don't say that. No, I... Uh... Don't say that. I don't know. My siblings got me some really cool stuff. We did, we did this thing where we shopped. We had to shop local. Me and my siblings agreed. So they got me some pretty cool stuff from some art from a, a local pottery person in uh, in Menominee, my hometown, and you know, some stuff like that. I don't know if I have one. I got a lot of cool different things. I got some Duluth trading underwear, and I really like those, too. All right, Eric. I appreciate you. Let's Let's talk again soon. Yeah, you have a great one, Grant. Have a happy new year and a safe one, all right, bud? Yeah, you too. <laughs> Eric's a pink Floyd. This is why I ask. Put your hand up if you expected Eric to be a Pink Floyd guy. God, that's the stuff. Pink Floyd. He saw him in the rain at Camp Randall. I remember. I wonder when that was. I'm Googling that over the next commercial break. I wonder who that was. Let's take one more call before we go to break, and I do some creepy research on Eric and his concert history. 608 608- Seven nine six two five five eight. Welcome to the Wisco Sports Show. Who's this? Hey, this is a, a bad man over in Westby. Bad man in Westby. Oh, one of Eric's cohorts, no doubt. Well, I disagree with the last caller. Okay. Okay. And um, I think uh, Green Bay's going to do it forty-two to thirty. 42 to 32. Oh, why's that? Well, what's give me give me a good reason. What's your what's your line of thinking here, bad man? I well, I think is just like in the movie The Replacement, where okay. the coach told the reporter that they need need to have a lot of heart to get back in this game. Uh, so the Packers have the heart. That's what you're saying. The Vikings don't. That's right. Uh, a little bit of a shot at the the team across the river. I I like that. I mean, I don't know. Rogers maybe has a little bit of an edge over Kirk Cousins. Maybe something you can you can find that there. I don't know. Kirk's been really good this year. Maybe we're due for a Kirk stinker, a uh, classic Kirk Cousin dud of a game. And I've been kind of I've been kind of uh, watching, listening to you guys broadcast the last two Packer games. Oh, good. And they and to me. They've been showing a little bit more heart. Mm. I like that. Well, they had to come from behind against the Dolphins. I wouldn't have expected a couple weeks ago that this was a Packers team that could come from behind. They're always a team that's been a front-running team. You get out to a lead, and then they hold on. They haven't come from behind a lot the last couple of years, so I think you're onto something there, bad man. Yeah, and I haven't been really what you call a Packer fan as of late. Okay. I've been more of uh, a Kansas City Chiefs, oh. per se. Okay. Hey, you can't count them them guys out either. No, well, that's the same thing. Like, you watch Patrick Mahomes, you watch the Chiefs. 
they're in every game. And I appreciate the call bad, man. I gotta, I gotta take a break. Call back, please. <laughs> it's always sounded like Eric's cousin. Oh my God. Yes. Thank you, bad man for the call. I agree with you. Let's, let's do some Packers predictions coming up next. I'm leaning one way. I'm leaning towards the Packers and I, I guess I don't really have any reasoning and that is my reasoning. I'll explain next. It's the Wisco sports show. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. I was able to find a little on this Pink Floyd show. Kristen Sparta said he was at that show, 95-96. Memory is the first to go. Well, and, you know, if you're at a Pink Floyd concert, maybe, you know, maybe some performance-enhancing concert drugs uh, maybe hurt the memory a little bit, too. I found some pictures. Have there been many rock shows to be played at Camp Randall? I I guess it's just never a venue that I've really thought about. 94 Division Bell Tour. Is that what it was? Got some cool pictures of David Gilmore and... Roger Waters here at Camp Randall. It's kind of cool. I love stuff like this. Thanks, Chris, for sharing that. We're talking Packers. Bad man in Sparta thinks they're going to hang 42 on the Vikes. Man, if, if that happens, we're going to be partying on Monday. I think the Packers are going to win just because I think they're going to win. I would have said this a month ago. I said it doesn't really matter what happens this season. I've always thought the Packers are going to get the Vikings at Lambeau before the end of the year. I, I guess it's just because I feel like they're going to. That's my reasoning. I know I would ask better reasoning of you. Sorry, I don't have any better reasoning. Mike is in Windsor, 608-796-2558. What's up, Mike? What's up, Grant? How are you? I am uh, I'm good. I, I didn't know Eric was a Pink Floyd fan, so that's kind of shaking me to my core, but I'll, I'll, I'll get over it. I liked his second band choice, though. Oh, the Peppers? I was listening to the song She's Only 18 this morning at the YMCA. I really that's like a, that song. That's a good song. I saw him live in Chicago. Um and uh, the best song live by far was All Around the World. Interesting. So, yeah, really intense, fun song live. Um, what do you think? You think the Packers are going to win by how much? What do you? How many points? I, do you don't, I don't. I don't know. Not, I don't. Know. You're not going to put a point on it. No. They're not. Just, I'm telling you. Okay, go ahead. They're not going to drop 42. No, I don't think they're capable, no. especially if Watson is limited in any way. I, I just think that the Vikings are due for. A stinker, and I think the Packers are maybe due to have a, a nice win. And for that reason, this is a, let's call it a, a water finds its level game on Sunday. That's what I think. Yeah, I, uh, I'm i fully expecting a Packers win, um, but I'm fully expecting a win by three or six. I'll take um, it. And uh, I want to I point out that I believe I said on the show the Packers would win by six against Miami. Um, I don't know if you remember that, but I definitely feel like I, I said that. Everything. I remember everything. Right. And well done on that prediction. <laughs> I remember everything. Hey, so I wanted to talk to you. I know uh, I, I tried to call in yesterday. I forgot, though. And uh, I want to talk about Chase Wolf. Yeah, let's um, do it. And I, I, I loved that tweet that, that you put out there because it was so contradicting um, to how he plays. <laughs> what do you mean? There's, what do you mean? Well, there's no, there's no way. So if you, I, I, think, I think you need to dig a little deeper when it comes to looking at uh, Nick Evers. And I, I think that what you need to see when you look at Nick Evers is you really, I feel like you need to see Desmond Ritter. Okay. Um, and I, that comparison is really important because of the Luke Fickle connection. 
Um, I think that that was, I think Nick Evers was strategically brought on to the Badgers. That's the blueprint. Because he, and I think it's the blueprint. You got to think about, I mean, Desmond Ritter, I looked up some things on him. He's 6'3", he's 180 pounds. Nick Evers is 6'3", 185. Mm -hmm. They're both multi-threat quarterbacks. And Ritter had twenty over 2,100 yards in three years on rushing at Cincinnati. So I just think they want a guy that can move more than Hornibrook or Mertz because these are the most stationary quarterbacks I've ever watched, and it just sucks. Yeah, and, and you know what? And, and Chase Wolf can move better than they can. But, yeah, for a, <laughs> for a guy that's, you know, Never really done much in his college career, and he's been there for five years. I just don't. It's it, that's just not the play to go. Go with a younger kid from Oklahoma that wants to come in and wants to learn and can move and can do all these things. But I think that the comparison to Desmond Ritter is really really key here because I think what Luke Fickle is seeing is Desmond Ritter, just a freshman. So, um, and I think that I think that Nick Evers can be that. Here's my point. It's Chase Wolf's job to lose, meaning someone has to come in and prove that they're better than Chase Wolf, which shouldn't be that hard. Evers should be able to yeah, do I that, think, but he does have to do that. Yeah, I mean, I think my English Bulldog can come in and prove that he's better than Chase Wolf. Oh, that's guaranteed rate bull <laughs> champion Chase Wolf you're talking about. What, what is this? <laughs> he looked good, man, but he threw for 170 yards. I mean, we're not talking about Peyton Manning here. What you know, game? I mean... He, he won the game. He no, brought I mean, home the trophy honesty, to the guaranteed offense, rate bull. That offensive line won the game. They they were opening About up time. holes the size of Wisconsin. So yeah, it only took on um, the offensive line to play well. I totally agree with that, but I still believe that's what won the game. They were monstrous on the ground. Malusi had a big game. Allen had a big game. It was it was fun to see, um, and it was really fun to see Jim Leonard. You know, um, some controversial remarks I think everyone can agree on. But, you know, it was fun to see him, you know, hold that amazing guaranteed rate trophy and uh, <laughs> and just it's just enjoy it. So either way, uh, I think that that's a really important piece, the Desmond Ritter piece. I think you know, looking back on that and looking what Luke Fickle is, is thinking about. And then you add the add Phil Longo into that conversation. Um, I, I think. I think there's something to be said about Nick Evers in that offense. So um, there was a really good article about Phil Longo by Jesse Temple in The Athletic um, early December, and it really it was an interview with a, his, one of his past quarterbacks. Uh, it was a really, really interesting article about how he runs his offense. So I encourage people to read that as well. Yeah. Well, I, I like a comp. I like precedent. i got to take a break because i got to get to Justin, Mike, but I'm glad we got to talk about Chase Wolf. Absolutely, man. Thanks for the call. Have a good night. That is Mike in Windsor. Uh, quickly, all right, I got to own up to this. Damn, I knew this was going to happen. Okay, so I was talking about Pink Floyd, and I was looking at a picture of them standing at Camp Randall's, a cool picture, and I said, oh, there's Gilmore and there's Roger Waters. I was talking on my butt, and as soon as I said Roger Waters, I knew that I shouldn't have. I know Gilmore's in this picture. I don't know the other two people by name. I was talking on my butt, and as soon as I said it, I said, watch. Roger Waters was not going to be on that tour, and someone out there is going to know that, and they're going to call me on it. And by God, if Jeff and Chatfield didn't text in and say, quote, Roger Waters was not on the Division Bell album or tour unless Eric saw Floyd at Milwaukee County Stadium on the Animals tour, he hasn't seen Pink Floyd. I love the listeners. We, 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 we got everyone's a producer to the show. And Jeff, Jeff I'm, not, I'm not upset at you. I knew that I shouldn't have spoke on my butt because... It's a blurry picture, and I'm like, I don't know if that's Roger Waters. 
My bad. Uh, I thought maybe I was going to be able to get away with that, and I was not. So, Jeff, thank you as a Pink Floyd expert for adding that to the show. Roger Waters, in case there was any uh, doubt, was not on the, the Division Bell album or the tour. So, Eric, maybe that means you didn't see Pink Floyd. I don't know. I don't know Floyd very well. Let's take a break. Get to Justin Garcia next. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show. My name is Grant Bills. Uh, one last thing. Richie says it was still billed as Floyd. Division Bell without Roger Waters, but still Pink Floyd. Roger said they could never do anything without him. So DB was Gilmore's middle finger to Waters. Still a great album. And IMO, Eric still saw Floyd. Okay, so Eric did see Pink Floyd, everyone. We can <laughs> we can calm down. I'm glad we got past this. I'm going to stay out of this as someone who doesn't know much about Pink Floyd. Justin Garcia, Bucks Radio Network. I talked to him earlier today. Here's our conversation. Justin Jackstraw Garcia, Bucks Radio Network is here. Uh, you were excellent last night in the postgame show. I needed something to cope with that loss. Let's start with... Giannis, this is not a criticism of Giannis. He was unbelievable. He's doing actual historical things last night, but they lost, so no one will care. His bag is shrunk, though, Justin. It's not to say that he can't refine his jumper or his mid-range game, but he hasn't had it this season, and I think we maybe expected him to find it by now, and he has not. Yeah, I guess that's fair. Um, I was actually thinking about this uh, after the game last night and trying to to see if I can find – some numbers to back this up, but it does seem like, and now that I say this and I, I do eventually find the numbers, it's it's probably going to speak to the opposite. It does seem like Giannis has been out there alone this season more than in years past. Um, I know the, the, the title year was the COVID year or a COVID year where it was very weird where Giannis was in health and safety protocols and Drew was there Um so there was a lot of just, you know, lineups you wouldn't imagine seeing. And that was basically the first three months of the season last year where it's, holy cow, remember that game where Sandro Mamu Kellis really played 42 minutes? Mm-hmm. Um, but it does seem like this year, more than the last two years, it's basically just been, hey, Giannis, go get him. We need, we need you to single-handedly do this. Yeah, And I think that's a part of it. It sure. is, it, it's just, you know, Giannis with no help. And uh, at some point you are who you are. And we've had this conversation year after year of man, the bucks are missing a lot of open shots. Well, it's going on four years, so I don't yeah. expect it to change. <laughs> and last night was maybe the most egregious of those where I was talking about this with Dave Kane after the game. If you hit just one of those shots, one of those open looks that they had in the fourth quarter, it's over. you probably win the game, but it's just one after another. And it doesn't matter who the player is. As soon as you put on a bucks uniform, you miss open shots and you especially miss open shots in the playoffs. So I think with that, you know, Giannis's usage rate is still the highest it's been yeah. in his career. So you're just asking so much of him. And I think it's just kind of a compound thing where the, the, the mid-range numbers and everything else has been down. He's still scoring a lot, but you're asking so much of him that the efficiency just isn't there. So I, I reserve judgment on it until Fair. we hope this team gets back to full strength and you have everybody on the floor at the same time. I completely agree. It's harder to find your mid-range in certain parts of your game when you have two or three guys on you and you're getting more beat up and you're getting more attention. So uh, 100%. I'm a reasonable man, Justin. You're more reasonable. You're the, you're the educated, connected guest here. But I, I'd like to be reasonable, at least right now, and say, look, 
I want to talk about the closing lineups. I want to talk about the personnel choices at the end of the game. If they inbound the ball correctly, none of this matters. It doesn't matter who's out there, right? I mean, they melted down. Well, and let's just get this out of the way. Yes. Those, those were two very bad inbounds plays from Giannis. Yes. Like, I'm more confused than anything on the first one because it seemed like there wasn't situational awareness that they didn't realize the Bulls were not in the penalty yet and they mm-hmm. still had a foul to give because they were just intent on getting the ball to Grayson Allen, which I get. He's your best free throw shooter. He's the best free throw shooter in the league. But they were intent. It's only going to Grayson Allen. And then you realize, oh, it, I could have sworn the Bulls have a foul to give here. What's going on? And then when you realize, yeah, they do, you kind of wondered, well, did they think they were already in the penalty? And that also kind of you know, tipped your hand to the Bulls on the second one where they knew, okay, they're doing whatever yeah. they can to get it to Grayson Allen. And it was just a really bad pass by Giannis. You had Pat cutting free down the sidelines, and I think you were only at four seconds. You could have got it to him. Pat's a good free throw shooter. Even if you hit one free yes, throw, yes. you can't lose on a single possession. Yes. Well, and I think on the first one, George Hill sprung wide open into the yeah. backcourt. In I'm the like, backcourt where you could have burned more throw time. Throw it to Hill. Throw it to Hill. Right. And, I, again, I get they have the plan to get it to Grayson Allen, but Hill was so wide open. I'm like, take it. They have a whatever. Run off two more seconds. Yeah. So I, I want to talk about some of these personnel choices from Bud because I was, I was going nuts last night. But – with the caveat that if they just execute better, as is the case in most sporting events, when we're mad about the coach, we're mad about, well, it's like the guys need to execute. They didn't execute last night. Javon Carter was one of one from three on a night where nobody could hit a three. Well, Bobby was okay. Too. Bobby, just, but Bobby, Bobby didn't play. This year, Bobby yeah. wasn't on the floor in crunch time or until overtime until it was out of hand for the most part at the end. Grayson was four for 16. It's like Bud was a baseball manager who just left his middle reliever out there to dry. And it's like, no, buddy, you don't have it today. You're getting shelled, but I'm not coming to get you. I don't really know what the pl- it, it, the closing lineup last night was bizarre. Again, they execute and it doesn't matter. But Bud didn't make it easier on his guys to get out of that game. That was um, I'm not a big uh, let's criticize the coaching in the regular season unless it's something really egregious. But okay. that was the noticeable thing to me was. Last night was a disaster where nobody's hitting shots. Grayson was what three of fourteen on threes. I think. Four of four of sixteen on three. Ah, uh, that could be. I think you're right. Maybe that's okay. that's from the field. I think um, you're right. But I yeah, have it in front of either me. way, it was really bad. Regardless, yeah. um, and as a team, I think this was the fifth time in this last or sixth time in the last uh, nine or ten game stretch of, for the most part, difficult opponents where the Bucks shot around 30% or worse from three, which is not good. Um, But to me, the biggest thing was, okay, we've had enough sample size in that game. Yeah. Nobody's hitting shots. So uh, I don't know. Let's maybe play Marjan Bochamp. Let's throw AJ Green out there for two minutes and see if you can hit a shot and see, okay, here's your opportunity. Just get out there and hit a shot because nobody's doing it. Or Brooke, they can't defend the interior. Let's forget three-point shooting. Just get out of there any way that you can. Brooke would have worked in that situation too. Well, and that's kind of uh, – and the Bucks did the same thing in the first game against the Bulls, which they also lost in almost similar circumstances too where you have this large lead and then it just disappeared and you lose the game that they took a, an incredibly high volume of threes in, uh, in that first matchup. And I want to say it was close to 50. It might have been 50 exactly that the I'll, Bucks attempted. I'll pull it up. I'll pull it up. 
Uh, I'm pulling it up as well okay. in my my massive. We need a Jamie. We need a third. We need a producer. My uh, massive spreadsheet that I keep. So the Bucks attempted 38 threes in that game, um, but also shot 31 percent from three. Nice and um, shoot shoot 20 percent. So you've taken now, if I can do the quick math here, what 82 threes in two games against the Bulls, and it doesn't seem like a lot. It's it's not in, in this day and age of the NBA, but there is zero rim protection on that Bulls team. And it's kind of like, that's what the Bulls want you to do. They want you to, because you don't have the shooters to just say, we're going to live by this three and take that many shots. The Bucks took 40 shots at the rim and made 24 of them. Mm -hmm. So there was no help there. Nikola Vucevic is not going to stop you. Giannis, as we saw, was just scoring every time he was around the basket. To your point with Brooke, that's what you needed to do and get Bobby some more of those back to the basket face-ups. Just do that. And don't fall into this three-point trap because that's what the Bulls want from you. Well, Steve Novak only said it about two or three dozen times. Well, let's let it fly. And I'm like, I'm going to put a knife through my eye if I have to listen to Steve Novak. And again, I like you work with these guys. I don't, so I, I will say it. Is Pat the one? Because Pat, I believe to be the guy who, like, I want to be able to count on Pat every night. He is the guy who had big shots in a finals. Like, he, to me, I think of him on a tier above these other guys where Grayson or Javon Carter night to night, you know, you might get this, you might get that Pat. I want to believe that I can count on him for a certain level of shooting competence every night. That hasn't been the case yet. And should I change my mind on that? Um, I mean, as a whole, it hasn't been the case, but um, I was just looking at this the other day. Uh, I want to say he wasn't obviously didn't hit any against the bulls last night, but I want to say since right around that game against the Jazz, he's actually been really good uh, in terms of his three-point shooting. So he's 46% since that Jazz game. So it's a six-game stretch that now he yeah. started to knock him down. So, I mean, I think we've seen enough to know that Pat is your most reliable three-point shooter on this team. And uh, you're slowly but surely starting to see Joe Ingles knock some of those down too. And we've seen some more flashes of Joe Ingles overall package and what he brings to this team and just kind of being a floor general and his half court offensive abilities in terms of facilitating and, and the pick and roll game. But it's still a work in progress there where you can see the timing is still off on some of the lobs with, with he and Brooke and, and he and Giannis. So I do have some confidence that Joe's another guy that you're going to slowly start to get it from as well. And I do uh, have probably the most trust in Pat Connaughton of anybody else on that second unit here. Yeah. But you just, you need one of these games, you know, you need somebody to heat up because even that COVID year or one of, I keep saying when they won the title, I mean, think about how many times Brent Forbes had a big game where I saw, by the way, there there was like a seven, three game, a six, three game, a couple fives. I saw John Krasinski tweet last night during the Wolves game. Bryn Forbes has to start hitting some of these open threes. And I'm like, (laughs) Oh no, it's happening there too. Oh my God. But the Bryn Forbes yet. Wow. Yeah, really? (laughs) Well, and by the way, I mean, I, Bryn Forbes is probably going to start hitting them when he's back at Pfizer forum on Friday. I'd imagine it's going to be the eight, three pointer game for Bryn Forbes. I thought it was funny that D'Angelo Russell after the game last night was talking about how Zion's playing football and they can't, but you know what? He's just running through everyone. I was like, all right, well you get Giannis in two nights, buddy. And I like D'Angelo Russell. I like him in the context of the the guy. Well, if he was on another team, no, 
But D'Angelo Russell can hit big-time shots and big-time moments. I feel the opposite about everyone what? else on the Timberwolves. Can you refresh my memory when he did that? It's just a big-picture thing. You know, college. To, <laughs> I want in, cr- in crunch time, I want the ball in his hands. He's built for the moment. No one on the Timberwolves okay. has ever been built for I the would, moment. I would tell you good luck. They need to beat the Wolves tomorrow night. Oh, my God. Well, uh, here's the thing. Um, they So prior to last night, although I don't know about you, I – kind of anticipated not necessarily losing but i knew it would be like a similar score and game setting to what we saw last night because the bulls are not good the bulls are really bad yeah but the bulls when they play the bucks it's a playoff game and it seems like for the most part it's the road team that performs best in these games because both of these fan bases are traveling to the opposing arenas now so i thought it was going to be close and a tough game and especially with no uh, chris middleton or drew holiday but you know, including that Bulls game, there's 18 games between last night until the end of January. And only three of those are against teams that are in the top six in their conference. So you just went through a stretch where you were seemingly playing everybody that was in the top four. Really good teams. Yeah. Yeah. And really now it's the exact opposite. And it's kind of like, well, are the Bucks the 9-0 and team that started the season against bad teams? Or are they the 13-12 and team that's played better teams here? Who knows? But in the meantime, you got a lot more of those nine and zero start teams on the schedule all the way until the end of January. So I've seen a lot of oh well, before you know it, the Bucks are going to be seven games out of first place. You know what? Maybe, but with the schedule they have, I doubt it. Yeah, they really need to take the Timberwolves behind the woodshed tomorrow night. Let's take a quick break, and then we're going to come back. And uh, I have one more NBA question for you, and then we have some musical recommendations with Justin. This is the Wisco Sports Show with Grant Bills on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Wisco Sports Show, join in on the conversation on Twitter at Wisco Grant. We're embracing debate whether or not Eric on I 90 saw Pink Floyd or not. Roger Waters was not there, Eric. I don't know. People are murmuring. First, Let's hear the end of our conversation. Get a couple of musical recommendations from our jam band correspondent, Justin. We're back with Justin, Tennessee Judd Garcia. You hear him on the Bucks Radio Network, post-game show, the pre and the- I love when the Bucks played home because then we can get you on the broadcast uh, with Dave Kane. Okay, I have a dead show for you, and then you have a show for me. This is the show that I've been really into. It's 1982 Boston Garden, September 18th. Set one, Rowdy Jackstraw, 10 out of 10. Uh, Mexicali Mama Tried, one of the better versions of those two songs that you will find. Fantastic Dupree's Diamond Blues, if you can stomach through the first 10 seconds. And the Cassidy is pretty darn good. I don't like the song Little Red Rooster, but I tolerate it with the show, which I think speaks volumes. The second set, Justin, Throwing Stones. I've become a fan of that song because of the show. And Warfrat. I love the Warfrat. It's a great Warfrat. So yes, September 18th, 1982. That is my show for you. I haven't uh, I haven't been listening to a lot of uh, music lately, as bad as that sounds. No, not at all. Um, You've been listening to the Wisco Sports Show. It takes a lot of time, right? I've been, I've been streaming the Wisco Sports Show from our uh, broadcast booth most of the time. Like This is usually just I'll listen to podcasts that are more often than not basketball podcasts on the way into the station or the arena and, and in the background when I'm doing things. But like 
now it's kind of the dead time too, where nobody other than uh, you and I is working and recording podcasts. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. So uh, I've God forbid to- you record a podcast between Christmas and it's hard work, Justin. Sitting right, down we're going to take the to week it. off, yeah. even though it's uh, well, I mean, you're recording podcasts. You're taking the week off to begin with. Basically, yeah, Bart Winkler does it every day. Um, How much work could right, it be? Right. From his basement, yeah. too. It usually takes a little bit of time to get going and get out of my comfort zone of like the same five dead shows where I know like, well, here's the set list and I know what to pull from. Yeah. But I've actually been listening to, so I really like goose, but I've been listening to them and fish a lot more. I'm uh, it's kind of the same as Tyrese Halliburton where I was never, I was never anti fish. I just didn't own any stock. Okay. Okay. That's fair. Yeah. You can get away with that. That's, that's true. Uh, you were an anti-Halliburton. You just wanted people to calm down. That's fair. Um, so uh, a couple of people and, and one of the VPs with the Bucks that I've gotten to know is a nice. huge fish fan and keeps trying to get me to go to a fish show with him. So um, like, all right, you know what? I think I'll probably do this sometime in the near future. So I got to just get right back into more of uh, the deeper cuts and, and listening to them. So I've been listening to a ton of fish and uh, goose over and over and over. So here's the problem. It, it kind of speaks to what I do with the dead, but uh, for goose, it's like the same two or three shows that I feel like I'll start skipping around in a show and then just go back to uh, the same one yeah. and listen to that. But uh, my favorite show of theirs is uh, from 2020 in October. And I think this one, I've been streaming it, but I think it's on iTunes and Spotify, but the show that they did in Swansea, New Hampshire, um, from start to finish, just full of the best performances or the songs of theirs that I like the most. So it seems like most of the time I go back to that and just I'll listen to that in the car on the way to places and get through the same three songs in my commute. I'm curious your thoughts on this. The other band I've listened to a lot this year, and I've always really, really liked them, but I've only met one person in my life who also likes them, the Wallflowers. The Wallflowers? The Wallflowers, yeah. I am uh, I'm one of the probably 17 big Wallflowers fans that are left, and I totally miss. They put out a new album last year, and it was the one other Wallflowers fan I know. I saw it and texted him and like, holy cow, when did this come out? It's like, oh, yeah, it came out last year. It's good. Listen to this song and listen to this song. So I've been listening to that. And then it just drives you through the whole catalog of listening to all of their albums. So most of the music I've listened to this year has been the Grateful Dead, Fish, Goose and the Wallflowers. Oh, well, I'm going to get after it today. I need a new project and I'm already thinking about what my uh, wrapped for 2023 Spotify will look like. And I want to get it. I want to start establishing a theme because I'm kind of all over the place. I've been listening to a Kenny Rogers Christmas album and that needs to go away because that can't live. Justin, I appreciate you. Thank you. Have a great new year. Oh yeah, you too. I can't believe it's already here. No kidding. Thanks, Justin. Justin Garcia, Bucks Radio Network. He's on Twitter at TMJ Garcia. I did not see the wallflowers pull coming. And I appreciate it. I did listen to a bunch of the Wallflowers today. And uh, I got to say, I I might actually be starting to dig into the late 90s and the early 2000s, which is a musical period that has always eluded me. I asked for Eric uh, for a statement because he tried to call back. I'm assuming to defend his Pink Floyd concert status. He says, you are correct, Grant. Roger Waters was not in the band at that time. 
pouring warm, rainy July evening. Went into Camp Randall at 420, and it was awesome. It was 420 all night. <laughs> Eric, look at this guy. See, this is why see, you might be listening to the show this week. Oh, why is Grant asking about Christmas gifts? This is why. Because tonight we learned that one of our most prolific callers, Eric on I-90, is a big Pink Floyd fan. And he knows the depth of music. Now I know Jeff and Chatfield is a Pink Floyd nerd. He knows the history. See, look, at we're learning about each other. This is great. This is why I asked dumb questions like, what was the favorite Christmas gift that you got? Because now we know so much more about Eric on I-90. And I think the show is much better for it. I really do. Tomorrow we're going to have Mike Clemens, a surprise, well, not surprise, but a special appearance from him on a Friday night, which we normally don't get. So he'll be tomorrow at 5.30, and we'll do a final Packers-Vikings preview with him. Let's go real heavy Packers-Vikings tomorrow. I'll dig up some stats, some numbers, some evidence, and try to back up my thoughts on why the Packers are going to win. We can preview. I want your takes. I want your previews. I want everything tomorrow. Packers-Vikings. We'll preview it. Have an outstanding night. If you're in lacrosse, stop by the beer house. I'll be there until 730. Enjoy Thursday night football. Talk to you tomorrow at 4. Trapped against my